Welcome to today's episode of the Hungry Trilobite Podcast. My name is Aaron Bossig, and I'm going to be your host. Today we're welcoming back artist Pete Doré, who first appeared in episode 27 discussing his miniseries Stan and Jack. You may want to check that episode out, or you could jump right into our conversation here, too. Let's get started. My good friend Pete Doré, how you doing? I'm really good, Aaron. It's nice to see you again. Nice seeing you. And speaking of seeing, if you're watching the video version of the show, we're doing something a little different today. Uh, Pete is going to be doing a little sketching while we talk. And we're going to try to capture that on camera. Yeah, so I'll hold it up a little bit. Um, I don't know if everybody's aware, but over on Twitter, Tom Schioli has set up this thing called Jacktober. There was a thing last year called Inktober that all the artists got involved in. And six fan arts, which I know that you saw, Aaron. Um, and Tom, because he's done his Kirby book and because I do my Kirby book, um, he, ju- he just said, does anybody want to do Jacktober? Here's a list of Kirby characters. Mm-hmm. So we're nearly done. Um, I've got one more to do. I've got the demon to do and I've done everything else. And we finish on Saturday. Uh, and I've started, let's hold that back so it's not so dark, Count Tregorin from Jimmy mm-hmm. Olsen. Um, and this is actually ripped off from a picture of Walt Simonson that I found of him as a vampire. Can't tell it's Walt. Um, so I'm going to ink Captain Goring, hopefully, with a brush, and I'm not very good with brushes. So we'll see how it goes. Okay. And if you're watching the video version, and we don't always get Pete and the drawing in the same picture at the same time, it's just the reality of technology. So yeah, sorry, we'll sorry. do the best. So, Pete, I just got done reading Stan and Jack number two. The yeah. continuation of your miniseries. And I, I, as somebody who loved the first one, I enjoyed the second too. And right. it's it's a, basically puts a lot of comic book he, uh, creators in the role of uh, comic book heroes. Yeah, yeah. That's that's entirely the point. As I said to you last time, it's, uh, it's, it's as if Stan and Jack had their own strip in Mad. Mm-hmm. And then once I realized that, I could actually carry the likenesses through and I could make it hopefully look like them. Then I just went mad and went, okay, who else do I love that I can do? You know, so as you know, in um, issue two, there's a lot of Vaughan Bodie. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if many people are even aware of him these days, but he was this fantastic um, 60s underground artist, cartoonist, one of the best cartoonists ever, I think. Um, so... There's a lot of him in there. Dick Giordano's in there. Storanko's in there. Um, you tell me. <laughs> yeah, like a lot of names, and you'll probably get to the point where e- even the biggest comic fan is going to read this, and they're going to find one or two names they have to sketch on a notepad and look up later on because they, yeah, they, yeah. you might know the work, but you don't know the name. Yeah. I mean, I do try um, to kind of, if you know these people, I tell I do. The joke I do about them is the thing that we all know about them. So, again, as you know from both issues, there's always the Vince Coletta joke. There's going to be a Vince Coletta joke because we all know about Vince. Uh, we all have kind of the same opinion about him. Um, <laughs> you know, Neil Adams is in the second issue and he's he's earnestly fighting for creators' rights, which is what we know about Neil. So, hopefully, it's even if you don't know the characters, you've got to pick it up. You know, mm-hmm. you, you're going to get that Vaughn Bodie is a bit spaced out, <laughs> but not as spaced out as he makes out. Well, it's great to throw so many in-jokes and so many tongue-in-cheek references into a story, but if that's all there is, 
it kind of leaves a lot of people out. You, you did a good job of, of working in just enough info to, to bring somebody who might be a novice into the story too. Yeah. And also, you know, you're right. I have to bear in mind that these are characters. They're not the real Stan and Jack. They're not the real Neil Adams. They are characters and they have to move through the story and they have to have something more, some sort of comedic depth than just a punchline. And I mm-hmm. hope they do. Oh, they do have that. There was a comic convention I was at a way back at this point uh, where I talked to a, a certain someone about what it was like to play a weird cartoonish version of himself. Right. And he actually, he actually sat down and gave me a good long list of, of what you can do when you're playing yourself but not yourself. Can you guess who that someone might have been? It could be anybody. Um... Who is it? Adam West. Wow. Wow. <laughs> because it's the idea of the, his family guy presence, of just being the bizarre Adam West character, it's like, how does one do that? And I think he's just the perfect person to ask. I suppose that makes sense because he, a bit like Stan, really, mm-hmm. he was Adam West and Adam West in inverted commas. So he became, he became Adam West. You're absolutely right. And that's kind of how I started to see a lot of the characters in your story there is that they just become the the character version of themselves, which I I had to sit down and wonder what would they have thought if they had read this? I hope they'd love it. I'm sure Stan would because he just Mm -hmm. liked the the publicity, wouldn't he? Yeah. Stan, Um, Stan's a given. Yeah. I hope, I hope they, I hope they would like it because as you know, it's all done in love and respect. And Mm -hmm. these are all people that I grew up genuinely worshipping. I mean, uh, on Twitter tonight, everybody's talking about Bernie Wrightson because it would have been his birthday today. Who doesn't love Bernie Wrightson? If you, if you don't love his stuff, you comment. So, <laughs> um, and he was a major, major, and still is, major hero to me. Um, almost to the point where, especially because I grew up in England, those people, Stan, Jack, Bernie, Barry Smith, Jeff Jones, it's almost like they weren't people. They were gods. They were so far away and they were so great at what they did. You couldn't even, I don't even know how Bernie Rison did what he did. It's, it's beyond, it's totally my skill set or even understanding some of it. Um, so, sorry, go on. No, I, I was just going to say that. You know, you and I both grew up before the internet got big and before Comic Cons were on every street corner. So for us, these people, most of their, most of what we knew about them was their name in the bottom of the first page of a comic book. We didn't know anything about them personally. So no. that just led them to have the, what you call the God status there because you just knew a name and then this amazing story that they made. Yeah, yeah. And, and I don't know the people, somebody was saying recently online, it doesn't happen anymore. You don't really follow artists anymore like we did. I would, I would buy, you know, I would instantly buy anything that Bernie Wrightson did. Um, so I don't know that that happens anymore. I mean, even even Liam Sharp, who is obviously brilliant, you know, I don't know that people follow him. They follow Greenland, and I think that's changed slightly. Yeah, it's it's also it's interesting because you you also start to see people at a much earlier stage in their career than you might normally see otherwise. That's yeah, yeah. Um, but then so did we, I suppose, to a certain. 
you know, the classic case is Barry Smith, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Who started Clone, and I do remember reading those first Conans in British Reaper and thinking he was amazing at that point. But then you see stuff like Red Nails, and again, you're just, how the hell did you do that? Hey, Pete, I just want to let you know, you're, there's a little bit of a cutout on the audio. Are you getting me loud and clear? Mm, no, okay. fine. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, then I'm hoping Skype will take care of the details later yeah. on. It might be because I'm moving about. I'm trying I'm trying not to move about and just stick Sure. Well, if the background noise cuts out, too, so I'm thinking it's something with the, the connection. But, again, Skype could be correcting that later on. Yeah, yeah. So... Uh, so we, we threw around a lot of ideas last time we talked about where you could take this and, and yeah. who you could work in. And I, I definitely don't want to get into the like, get you give away any spoilers. But you did say that you're you've got the next two issues in the can ready to go. Yeah. So I've got the, um, the, the third issue is long done. I did that a long time ago. Um, and that is the end of the current storyline where they're with the collector um, and they're all prisoners in space and then they get back. Um, and then, in fact, let me show you. You can see you can see some of this stuff online on on the various websites that I've got. So I won't show you three; I'll show you four. Um, so this is the leading to issue four, which is Barry Smith and John Buscema. So they get sent back. They all get sent back to the Hyborian Age. Um, Stan and Jack and, and Roy Thomas and, and these two. Yep. And we're seeing uh, these guys dressed up as almost these gladiators, barbarians type yeah. of characters. I mean, I had a thought. I, I kind of, I wasn't sure how I was going to do it. And then I had an idea literally the other day. Because I thought, okay, how am I going to get these two to fight each other? And I, I thought, okay, well, I've got to have a wizard. What if Sal Buscema is the wizard? I like and that. He, and he's got this brotherly love hate thing going on with Big John, obviously, as brothers do. Um, and he's like, yeah, I got here, I don't know, a couple of years before you. I've taken over, and you two fight for me. So that's my excuse to get Sal in there as well. So that's that's going to be the fifth issue. This is the cover. And as I say, you can see the finished one. And it shows Jack Kirby emerging as kind of a, almost like a ghostly figure from yeah. a Little Fire. Yeah, and that's Steve Gerber, who's, okay. um, who thinks he's hallucinating. And this whole issue is Jack stuck in the mind of Steve Gerber because Jack, certainly my Jack, and really the real Jack as well, was a real kind of go-ahead, two-fisted, uh, I-can-get-stuff-done kind of guy. And the perspective, even though it probably isn't true, but the perspective that I always had about Steve Gerber because of his stories was that he was the ultimate paranoid and the ultimate um, kind of Woody Allen character without all the nonsense. Um, so again, it's the two it's the two opposites, like in the third issue where I put Vaughn Bodie against Steve Ditko because they're two opposites. This is kind of the same thing. Um, so that is the fourth issue. And then I plan to do Bernie Wrightson in the sixth issue, which is, as I said to you last time, is giant side stand thing. And Stan turns into a swamp creature and they hang out with them. Um, <laughs> Then I think the only other thing, the only other one I've got in mind is somebody said to me, which I know it was, it was Tony Esmond because I did his podcast, and Tony said to me, when I said Stan and Jack was like something that happened in May, he said, oh yeah, I could see Don Martin drawing it, which instantly made me think I've got to put Don Martin in it. 
mm-hmm. so I think issue six or seven will be in Don Martin's madhouse, and I'll draw Don like one of his characters, you know, which is really an excuse to fun, because why wouldn't I want to do that, you know? Why wouldn't I try to draw like Don Martin? And that, I think, is as fun as I've got, but to be honest, that'll keep me going most of next year, won't it? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I was just thinking when you're talking about getting two of the characters to fight each other, it, it may be one of the biggest comic problems in history is how to get two heroes to fight each other because everybody wants to do it and the story never really lends itself to it. Well, that's not every issue of Marvel Team-Up, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Every single time, that's what happens for the first 10 pages. Um, yeah, I haven't quite figured that out. But, see, I have to, I have to get out clause in that because this is semi-parody, I can use hoary old cliches and, and things like that and go, well, it's homage and mm. make a joke of it. And, you know, I can even, I can have them standing around going, oh, 13 pages in, it's the fight scene. So in a way. Um, you, you could get down to the level of somebody's personality changes because a coconut dropped on their head. I mean, you really, yeah, that, yeah. that's on the table for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's, it's, a, it's a double-edged thing in a nice way in that, I can do anything with this comic and kind of get away with it. And people won't go, that old cliche. Mm-hmm. But I can, yeah, yeah, I can take it anywhere, really, can't I? I mean, I am thinking shorter stories for future issues. So um, just to stop myself getting bored, to be honest, because I think I'm, I'm good at gags and I think I'm good at character. I mean, the storyline in the first two issues is really just a storyline to hang the jokes on. It's a plot, but that's not the important thing as far as I'm concerned. Um, so I think maybe some one pages, maybe some three pages, just mix it up a bit to stop me and, and everybody else getting bored as well. <laughs> We were talking off mic, right, while we were setting everything up here. Um, like I had just made an off-color, off-the-cuff comment about Archie just because it was something I've been on my mind a lot lately. And you just said, hey, we didn't get that much over here, and it, that made sense because it's it's very U.S.-centric comic. But then it's I just start it's like, just started to wonder what other differences are we just not even aware of between the, the two groups of comic fans? I don't know. I mean, what was people when you were a kid? Uh, Marvel was pretty big in the 80s when I was a kid. I mean, there, that was really the big thing, but not the Marvel we know of today. And uh, in, in, when I was a kid, it was the, the post-Secret Wars era where you were talking about Spider-Man, the X-Men to a lesser degree, Captain America was still kind of off in the periphery, but it was not really the point where X-Men got big at that point. And, you know, I'm sure the comic fans, the comic readers... We're definitely into that, but the people like me that just kind of look for movies and toys, it, it was a whole different world out there. Right. I mean, for us, it was it was just the comics. It was just it was my, it was mostly Marvel because we couldn't get it. except we kind of graduated as we got older up to Warren because that was North. Mm. But we couldn't get Chubb. We we got DC, but we didn't like it as much as we liked Marvel. Um, and I still, I still kind of have that in the back of my mind. Yeah, and DC was, when I was in the 80s, I, it was kind of in a weird stage because the Superman movies were popular. Yeah. 
but everything else just kind of fell by the wayside because DC was, well, that was, that was where you got the Batman show from the sixties and the super friends thing was popular for a minute, but it, it didn't really have the staying power until the 89 Batman movie came about. Well, it's a little bit like that now, isn't it? I mean, it just seems to be Batman and Joker and so I couldn't be less interested in three Jokers. Mm -hmm. You know, the Joker is, yeah, he's a great villain, but he's a, he's a one sided thing, isn't he? Just I think that that's the best way to think about that is there have been a lot of Joker backstories in the past. I don't think any of them worked. Well, I think, as we said before, the Joker doesn't need a backstory. No, that's like you said, you know, it's um, he could be your neighbor. That's what's terrifying about him. If you if you're of a mind to be terrified, I and I, I think that he's he is an a interesting villain, but you know he's probably not in the top five. I would say, not for me, not even close. No, no, no. Um, so they do, they do seem, but then I was going to say they do seem to be a bit fixated on the Joker, but then they were fixated on Wolverine for about twenty years, weren't they? Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of, as far as I'm concerned, the only Wolverine stories that ever happened are those in the original, original um, Claremont Byrne Cockrum X-Men. That's when I liked Wolverine. After that, I don't really care. But then, you know, I'm an old fan, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to feel that way, unfortunately. I think that that's something that we definitely struggle with, is that the stuff that we get into first tends to be what we cement as the best. Yeah. And I'm not sure the ways around, there's a way around that. I don't think there is. Somebody was saying online last night about exactly that and saying, um, you know, we, including the person who said it, need to get past this and you need to accept that comics are just comics and they were the best ones when you were seven. Which, of course, is true, but that's a logical argument, not a heart argument. Mm-hmm. Um, as I said, you know, probably last time, I do like Daredevil at the moment, but it's not my Daredevil. Daredevil. I really don't like the Legion. It isn't my Legion. And I I think that there has to be something to be said for there being a a material difference between the comics prior to the mid-90s and now, just because there's so much more money and attention on it now that the the process of writing has been different. That, that, that That has to change things. You can't tell me it doesn't. No, no, absolutely, and and it and it is a poison chalice, you know. How do you write Daredevil? How do you write Spidey? Make it anything other than nostalgia. It must be really tough. I wouldn't want to do it. He's asking. <laughs> like I said, we have a thing now with Spidey, and and we had the the Spider Verse movie where the, the general public got exposed to the multiple Spider Mans for the first time, and yeah. Miles. Morales is finally getting his day in the sun, and I'm very glad for that. But at the same time, it you know, it just feels like it's on a production line now. It's it's, it's gone too far in the other direction. Yeah, yeah. It's I, I just can't bring myself to care. I mean, I don't know if this is the last time we spoke, but my my second oldest friend in the world, who I've known since I was nine, who refuses to obviously see. Given up buying Marvel, and he has bought everything 
since 1972. Your complete sets of the Avengers, complete sets of Spidey, you name it. I'm just wasting my money. And if you've lost him, would you be interested in seeing uh, film versions and re uh, reboots of the stories that you actually like that you really embraced? Um, yes and no. I mean, I do like, uh, again, as we said before, I like the fact that the movies touch on things that I grew up on, but don't just read the story. I think that would be tedious. Mm-hmm. But I haven't said that. You know, if anybody had the balls to make a proper movie, be there, or a proper Howard Duck movie, or a proper Kill Rover movie, um, but that would never happen. It's just too. Um, I'm nearly done. Wow. That's coming along nicely. Yeah. It's because I did all the work in the pencils. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how about you? Would you would you want to... I mean, I think I saw talk of a Secret Wars movie, I think. I would... I couldn't say I wouldn't be curious because it... I did love it a lot, and there was a time when I would have said, yeah, I, I really think they could just literally transpose the, the comics into a script and print it out, and, and I would love it. I probably would. Yeah. I'm not sure. I, I think it may be a case of be careful what you wish for. Yeah. It's never going to be the same, is it? Mm-hmm. Uh, no. A part of it would come down to, it. you know, when a comic is written in a different era, it works for a different era, so... You know, even a comic 20 years ago, while it might be a great story, you, you don't buy it when it's put into into today. No. Um, but then on the flip side, I, I'm still astonished that dull characters, dull characters to me, like Thor and Iron Man, who I thought were the dullest characters as a kid, especially Iron Man, um, so great in the movies. You know, I... I I've genuinely watched those movies and gone, oh, I now get that. I now get what people see in them. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think the characters, whether they work or not, I mean, that that can that can work, that, that can transfer over. And I've actually been surprised at how some characters have been, have had a new life put into them because I think we said last time, when I was a kid, it, Thor was a joke character. Yeah. No, nobody took Thor seriously. And now he's like this hottie that everybody loves and like... I, I never saw that coming. I really didn't. No, no. and I really like the character. Mm-hmm. In, um, like I say, I now get it. I now get what people see in it. Um, but before, no, when I was a kid, Cat, Cat, we bought when Steve Englehart wrote it. Never bought Thor, never bought Iron Man, just wasn't interested. But then I think Thor in particular was because, as I said again, it was because of the well i'm thinking of an example here of you know when you're asking about recreating something and i was talking about how how sometimes things are just a product of their time like one of my favorite stories crisis on infinite earths that story kind of hinges on the fact that it takes place about 45 years after world war ii that that's a pretty important piece of information because you're talking about the relationship with the older Golden Age heroes and the fact that they're only one generation behind is, is significant. 
if you tried to remake it today with World War II being quite a few years more than that in the past now, I, I don't think it has the same tone, even though the story is just as good. No, you're probably right. I've never read Crisis on Infinite Earths. I've read the first issue. But I did see the Stargirl TV show where... Is it set on Earth 2? Because there is, there is a big link to the JSA in there. In there. Maybe it's an Earth 2 thing. Maybe that's the way they do it. I don't know if you watch it. Yeah, I haven't caught that one, actually. But uh, the, the Earth 2 reference is, is definitely cute. Yeah. Way they could do it, um, yeah, but then I don't really see where they can't do a Sergeant Rock movie uh, or a decent Jonah Heads movie, true. And so, someone you know, the shows that I think that I like the fact that the Captain America started out as a period piece, I like the mm. fact that Wonder Woman was a period piece. I think that that could be the answer to getting around a lot of uh, the hesitation they have to make some of these movies, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, again, you know, Luke Cage should have been set in the 70s. I'll die on that hill. Mm-hmm. They should make a Luke, Cage, a Luke Cage and Iron Fist and Doors of the Dragon all together in the 70s because that is their, their era. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily see the need to keep everything contemporary, especially when sometimes it just it doesn't work. It, it, you know, if we're taking something from another era, let it be from another era. Yeah, yeah. People will buy it. They bought cats, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, even friends of mine who were like, oh, it wasn't very good. And then they come back to me and go, well, I've watched Winter Soldier and now I realise why the first one was good. Because it's because most people aren't used to this kind of continuity, are they? They're not used to waiting no. for that big reveal. Um, you know, somebody said to me a while ago, oh, it's always origin stories, always origin stories. Well, what else do you expect? You have to have an origin. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, why are you, why you going to care? Especially when they're doing so many characters now that previously didn't get that kind of light. I, yeah. I think we could do well without doing another Batman origin for another two decades at least. We, we, we can we can sidestep that. But if you're making a movie out of Iceman, you kind of <laughs> need to fill in some background there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I could do with it without another Batman movie full stop, to be honest. Let alone I, I, origin. If um, they're going to be like what we've seen, I, I, I'm not arguing with you. Yeah, I mean there was this thing this uh, this week or last week that they're filming in Liverpool over here, mm-hmm. which is hilarious. Um, because everybody over here is just going to go. That's the Liber Building, which is the famous building in Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's Batman on the Liber Building. There was uh, some considerable talk about Christopher Nolan and doing the last trilogy. Mm-hmm. How you know they said Batman was the the quintessential American superhero, and I'm not sure I quite agree with that, but let's let's no. let's let, let's give humor them. And they're saying, and it was just interesting that they needed a non-American director to really bring that out. I'm like, I'm not sure I see that. I, I think this. Go on. I was just saying, I I think that there's a it's it's something that translates a little more. It, it's it's just anybody who can get that, the dark part of their their mind working would relate to Batman. Yeah. Anybody. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but Batman's cool, isn't he? There's that as well. He is cool. Yeah. Superman's great. Batman is. He's not cool. No, he, it's it's almost a joke that he's the Boy Scout. He's hokey, which it works yeah. to its advantage sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I think we all need a little something that that's just purely positive. Yeah. Um, 
but Batman, um, yeah, and Superman, I, I wouldn't say he looks silly, he doesn't, but he looks, yeah, he looks like the Boy Scout, like Cap looks like the Boy Scout, mm-hmm. and just looks cool, and is cool. Uh, it can't be that <laughs> it's coming along there. Well, I'm just really glad that um, we're at the end of October because it's been fun, but it's been really tough. A lot of people have fallen by the wayside, and and some of the other challenges on, on Twitter and online, similar things where you have to do a new drawing every day. A lot of people have fallen by the wayside there as well, um, because. You know, I've got a day job, so that's it. I mean, it's nice doing this and talking to you tonight, obviously. Mm-hmm. But to sit after work and just go in, God, I've got to do it. Um, but I've kind of looked at it as a, a personal challenge. But also, it's quite good for your mental health to be forced to produce something every day. I've come to curse social media in all its forms, even though I continue to use it. But I, when I first got on Facebook, I liked it a lot. And I, I would challenge myself to post something every day that mm. I would try to be creative on. And it, it was a challenge and it wasn't always fun, but I think it did. It was definitely beneficial. I think it is just by the very nature of, just producing something, you know, whether it be a bit of writing or, or, or whatever. Um, it's definitely got me through this month um, because we're, we're sort of heading back into lockdown. Um, so you have to get your mindset prepped for that. And, uh, and this is how. So that is, yeah, yeah, I don't know, that is Count Gregorian, which will go up on Friday. Very cool. Has it? has all the great classic touches there. Yeah. So what I'll do, I'll just, because uh, I've got my, um, I've got my Jimmy there. <laughs> and so I can't draw it. It's just white with red lipstick, isn't it? Yeah. So I'll just put some lipstick on him and that'll be him done. And then as I say, I'll do the demon. Job done. Sweet. So, I now don't feel so rude because now I'm looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so what uh, have you been reading anything in comic wise otherwise? Reading? Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been I've been rereading because uh, I'm near the boxes. I forgot, but I've got all of the black and white dot savages. Ow. I've been rereading those, so they are all. Have you ever read these? I have not. I've, I've no. seen them. I love the artwork, but I haven't actually got a chance to read into them. Yeah, they're Doug Mensch. Um, and they're either John Buscema or Tony DeZinniger or both every issue. There's only six or seven. I'll show you one of the, one of the great covers. That's my favourite cover. That's oh, cool. that's... Yeah, because uh, I love the Marvel black and whites. Um, so I've been rereading Doc Savage. I also, I don't know if you saw, probably, I don't think you did. Um, I discovered there's a market stall in my town and there's a comic stall on there. Oh, suddenly appeared, and again, my friend Dave was up just before lockdown, and he he can sniff out secondhand comics like you wouldn't believe. And I said to him, "There's no point, isn't it? They'll have nothing. It'll all be rubbish." Uh, but 
but they do have a little bronzo section section i have got some real bargains so i bought some savage swords i bought avengers 20 or something like that for like two quid because wow. this guy yeah because this guy doesn't seem to know i probably shouldn't say this online but this guy doesn't seem to know what bronze age and silver age stuff is worth he just goes oh yeah is that okay two quid <laughs> yes well to give him some credit maybe he does know but he also realizes that not everybody who walks into that door is going to know or care so he's got to take what he can get yeah maybe maybe um there was it was funny this week because i went there on saturday and like i said i got some savage swords and some marble two-in-ones some george perez marble two-in-ones really cheap and there were these couple of young girls everybody and they just walked up to him and they went have you got any doctor strange and he said oh no i don't think so and i i said but you do because i've just seen it here's a gene colon one of course they bought like three quid but they went and i thought wow are they buying for their older brother or something because they were literally like 12 or something mm-hmm. um, so that was that but i can't imagine they were suddenly they might be into benedict cumberbatch <laughs> that was my first thought yeah so maybe yeah, just go there and go, have you got this? Not even knowing what Doctor Strange is. So a Gene Colan Doctor Strange is totally going to blow. But it's, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a nice little market stall. So that's basically what, as usual with me, I'm reading old stuff again, because I'm just so disappointed in, in those stuff. Okay. Well, I've been getting into trade paperbacks a lot, uh, mostly to try to fill in some, because I, for budget reasons, I'm not buying a lot of individual comics anymore. The stuff I want, too expensive. So 25 bucks for a whole story or a whole year's worth, good deal for me. Yeah. So what would you say I should be reading right now? As a guy who's not historically a Marvel guy, needs to brush up on some Bronze Age stuff, what should I be looking for? In terms of Bronze Age stuff? Yeah. Um, well, you can't go wrong with any Steve Gerber. Somebody, somebody posted... A Man Thing omnibus, which which came out. Man Thing is always worth reading because uh, a lot of it's Mike Plug and John Buscema. Really, anything by Steve Gerber. Do you like Don McGregor? Sure. Yeah. So Kill Raven. There's probably a trade of Kill Raven. There's definitely a trade of Black Panther. His with Billy Graham. Uh, uh, Engelhart's Cap. Anything by Kirby, obviously, but you know that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's enough, there's enough stuff there to interest you, I think. I mean, it's it's difficult, isn't it? Because I'm, I'm picking the cream of the Bronze Age. And, and that's that's what I would hope for, because, you know, I, I just got back, I finished up a, a batch of Iron Man comics from the 90s, a batch of Batmans from the 80s, and then a batch of Supermans from the 40s. So it's like, okay, I, yeah. So I got a range there, but it's like I really got to attach the, the classic Marvel era a little bit more. I've been, I keep shying away from that for some reason. Well, as I say, do, do Gerber, do McGregor. Those Doc Savages are in a trap, weirdly published by DC. I've no idea why. That's, yeah, I can't get that. <laughs> and that's only a couple of years old, I think. And like I say, there's only eight issues. I mean, they are very, Doc Savage, because it's a pulp hero, is very formulaic. It's, it's the same every time but they're, they're just fun. the art is fantastic obviously um 
you know, we were talking about Craig Russell online last night, a few of us. Anything by Craig Russell, anything by Bernie. Awesome. Any, any of those guys. I'm, in, I'm intrigued that you're reading Superman in the 40s because I've got, um, I've got an old trade with his Superman from the 30s to the 70s. Just 78. Um, so I was reading some of them, which are really aren't they? They're not, not, they're almost not Superman because they're not the Superman we know. Right. I find that very fascinating, actually. I like the fact that the character starts off a bit more brutal than we're used to. Yeah. Uh, a bit more frightening than we're used to. But he still has that horror inside him that you will recognize. But you, yeah. like, like I said about earlier, you have to learn to read it within the context of the time. Yeah, you do. You do. I mean, I reread the original Conan stories a few years back. I read them when I was a kid. And they were unexpurgated so they were full of racism and obviously full of sexism but you just read them in the period you know there are people who rag on hp lovecraft i'm not going to read that because it's racist which it is it's horrendously mm. racist. but I think it's also brilliantly written and that's not really an excuse but i'm prepared to accept that i'm prepared to ignore that you can d definitely see the value in something without excusing the flaws that's the way i tend yeah. to look at it yeah i think so i think so um, I mean, I think it's, I don't know, having said that, there are musicians who, whose work I wouldn't listen to because I hate them. That's fair. Because they're just horrible people. Um, you know, there's a few anti-maskers who've come out, musicians over here. Luckily, I didn't like any of them anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm prepared to forgive dead authors, let's say that. I think that's fair enough. Well, I said I, I think that that's that's definitely a something uh, a privilege you can leave for yourself. You don't necessarily have to forgive them, but if you do, I get where you're coming from. Like I said, it, it's what they make is different than who they are. Sometimes, sometimes. Although if you go back to Vaughan Bode, um, his work is very much who he is, and his work is is quite challenging. Mm -hmm. Quite a, quite a lot of it. It's not it's not as fluffy and as nice as it appears at first glance. And I find those kind of people fascinating um, because the, the, you, that somebody like that, you really, or Jeff Jones, you really can't subtract their work from who they were because their work is all about who they were. But that's endlessly fascinating to me. Mm -hmm. Which is why, probably why I do Stan and Jack. Just to do that, that little tribute. And hilariously, Stan and Jack is filled with little in-jokes about how they're just in it for the paycheck. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which they kind of are, because again, that was that was kind of when I was maybe hit my teens. That was a harsh realization that they were just working Joes. You know, you, whenever you see an interview with John Romita Senior, he's always like, "Oh, I could have driven drove a cab, but it was just a job." Well, it, it clearly wasn't because you put your heart and soul into it. But in a way, yeah, it was. It was just a gig. Uh, which for kids who grow up worshiping these people is quite a blessing. It's why I'd say I, I don't begrudge them the, the human aspect of, you know, it, you're doing a job. Okay, it's a job you like. That's good. It's a job you're good at. It's, it's, yeah. it's a job I'm enjoying that you're doing. Yeah. So I, I'm not going to mind that you're getting paid for it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think I've, I've, I've never had a bad experience meeting a professional. They're always very nice. They're always very appreciative that 
you like their work and you're prepared to say that because you know most of them these closeted lines in cover um, I do think it's, it's sometimes worth remembering with all the as you said because that social media with all the nonsense that goes on on social media I think comics social media is actually better than a lot of us think it is it's just that we most people are very nice and pleasant well, I think you're right there. I think that's a good place to leave it off. Uh, Pete, could you tell people where you can find your social media links yes. and all your work? Yes. Now, you always ask me this and I always forget. <laughs> I can uh, just copy the last show notes too. Yeah. Uh, so you can buy Stan and Jack at PeteDory.com, Big Cartel, sorry, Um I'm on Twitter all the time. I'm on Instagram, on Facebook. I've also started doing this thing called Kofi that I'm not 100% convinced about because uh, it's like Patreon and I th- I'm starting to think Patreon is probably better. But at the moment, it's K-O hyphen F-I slash Pete Dory. So I'm, I'm pretty much everywhere. And you're, you're going to put the show notes on. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, Pete, thanks again. And I highly encourage anybody to go check out Stan and Jack. And it's really nice to see you again. Thank you. Nice talking to you, buddy. I would like to thank Pete for being my guest today, and I would like to thank you for listening. I strongly suggest going to the show notes on AaronBossig.com and following the links to get your own copies of Stan and Jack number one and two. For the community building part of the show today, and I remind you that my community building tips are things that cost you nothing and take less than five minutes of your time. This time around, I just want to ask you to accept my thanks and my gratitude because I appreciate each time you like my stuff on social media or leave reviews for the site on iTunes or Google Play or whatever your podcast platform of choice is. I appreciate whenever you recommend the show to a friend, whatever you have done. I appreciate it, and I want to thank you very much. I could go on and on about the numbers of ways we could do these things, put a different spin on them, and I'll do that next time. But right now, I just want to thank you all for what you're doing already. Don't forget, you can subscribe to the show on all the places I just mentioned. We are syndicated on Realm of the Mist, a fantastic podcast network. Thank you so much, and I'll see you next time.